was a dark and stormy night Nor'easter rolling in It's a long 12 hours The power's out again I pray for inner strength And that we don't lose no lives Just another day In the first responder's eyes Half a cup of coffee's gone The first run comes in A car slid off the road There's a family trapped within My heart beats like a hammer I can barely catch my breath I'm thinking the worst And hoping for the best Welcome to Mad Radio on this Making a Difference Wednesday. We are, you are listening to John and Sam broadcasting you live from Globe Life Park in the heart of the entertainment district here in Arlington, Texas. Mad Radio is all about supporting our first responders and helping to make a difference in the lives of others through community awareness programs, education, and self-help, focusing on the social issues that surround us each and every day. I want to welcome my co-host, Sam who is here to tell us what we got coming up this hour. All right. Hey, hey, hey. So today we will be discussing life after the job, how after we retire as first responders, what we're doing to keep our mental health and ourselves healthy because retirement can become uh, not only mentally draining, but physically draining for a lot of us, uh, but it's specifically for the first responders um, who, you know, we've been conditioned to be a certain way and when right. it's, we leave the job um you know stuff can happen you know uh before we i want to put out our phone number too it's gonna yes. be uh 214-556-6239 that's 214-556-6239 please call in and this is this is a very important topic for our first responders because you know sam like i'm doing some research the average the average law enforcement officer after retirement, lives for five years. I know. I, I read statistically wise lives for five years. It's um that was shocking. I mean, I've been doing a lot. You know me. Yeah, uh, research, I'm a, I'm research, reader, research. Yeah. <laughs> so I I've been doing a, a lot of homework on this in preparation, and um, it, it, you know, I think for you and I, it, it definitely hit home. Uh, not too far after 9-11. I mean, I, I left my Secret Service career early um, because of effects of post-traumatic stress. But after that, we have, since that time, you and I have been watching uh, our friends die Yeah. Um, from yep. the 9-11 related illnesses. And certainly, you know, it's something that you and I are not immune from because we were there front and center. We were exposed to all that stuff. And uh, it's taking control of our health process after we leave 
um, it's it's been kind of a roller coaster for right. me. I mean, I've had my own you know cancer health scare. Um, knock on, uh, I don't know, is it granite? I think granite's <laughs> better than wood, right? Um, that uh, everything turned out okay. But it really is about t- taking a proactive uh, approach. And I watch and listen and read and, and realize that, you know, we, we, we are so proactive in our roles as first responders. Right. Okay, hypervigilant. We, we want to go home every night. We do the things that we need to do to train to be the best. And when we're not there anymore, there seems to be kind of, okay, let somebody else take control because I don't need to anymore. Does that make sense? Yeah, but you, don't, you, but know, you can't. You can't. Exactly. You can't. You can't. And I think that's, that is part of the frustration um, that I hear a lot about. It's like, oh, God, now I gotta have to deal with possibly being sick. Well, you know, putting 9-11 cancers aside, um, you, when you think about the cardiovascular issues that a lot of cops have, I've lost four or five, four or five, yeah, one was from cancer, but four, four friends from heart attacks mm-hmm. since retirement because, you know, um, and I don't want to say because they got lazy or whatever, um, they let the stress build up, and stress mm-hmm. builds plaque into your 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 heart and your cardiovascular system. And you know we get to a point where we're not as active as we were when we were on a job. Um, we end up becoming very homeward bound, where we're laying on the couch a lot. Um, we're eating the wrong foods. Not that we ate the right foods while we were on the <laughs> exactly. job. Exactly. I was going to say, my, br- my dinner of champions, I remember <laughs> Snickers right bar and a Coke. Right. Not that we ate the right foods on a, on a job, but we are not um, getting proper nutrition. And when we, when we do retire from the job, we have to really take into account that it's going to be a lifestyle change. It could be for the better, but a lot of us have to train our minds and our bodies um, to do that. So I think part of it is a a retraining, really, because now we we're we're in a different role um, in our lives, and and when we find ourselves, uh, you know, separated from service, it it is a whole kind of I don't know I'll call it a mind screw where okay now I have to train myself to get out of bed every day and be productive in my family, and what if you know my family didn't see a lot of me. Well, let's, yeah, start with, yeah. let, let's start with that. Like, okay. You, ju- you just said that. I have to get out of bed every day, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there, um, when I re- did some research on this, there's five states of there's reti- Retirement stages, uh, retirement has its stages, right? Right. So we have, at first we have our freedom, right? Yay, we're off the job. <laughs> you know, don't let the door hit in your ass. You are gone. <laughs> You're running for the door. You got your freedom, right? But then we look at the anxiety of it. Well, what do I do now? Right? Yeah, it's almost what like I? Um, I, I, I liken it to, I, I call, tell my dog, Lucy, she's got answer pants. You know, right. dogs well, don't have pants. But <laughs> yeah, it's this, this need to do something, do something to do move. Something, right? And then um, we suppress those emotions. We can, we end up with certain addictions, be it food, um, alcohol, pills, whatever it is, we, we end, up, um, end up hitting an addiction because we're bored. Possibly. So, so we, can become, we can become food addicts where we're now we're going to the refrigerator and we're eating the wrong foods. 
or we can drown our sorrows in alcohol, or we can be taking pills to, there's, there are certain addictions that come with the suppression of the retirement, of being that boredom, you know? Well, yeah, and uh, taking into account the uh, effects of, okay, now I'm not going into a department every day. Right. And everything that I went through comes flooding back. So now you think about, you know, your last couple of calls and that stress uh, builds up. And so you're reaching for whatever it is to bring down um, and suppress those feelings. And that's the numbing out. And that can be for some people, you know, the beginning of what you talked about on, I think it was the last show, the cumulative PTS. Right. Um, and more and more officers after retirement are coming forward to talk about, Hey, I, you know, I didn't have any issues, you know, quote unquote issues on the job. This kind of smacked me in the face as soon as I retired. Cause you, now you have more ta- downtime to right. think about it. You, you have more time to Gosh be, darn brain. <laughs> you have more time to be in your own friggin' brain. Right. So you do have to do mental activities to get yourself going. And when you said, you know, getting up in the morning regiment we mm-hmm. we are regimented for 20 years whatever however long your career is okay i got up i had breakfast i i checked my pockets i had my gun i have this i got i'm out the door i'm in traffic now i am with i'm at work with other cops right mm-hmm. when you we retire we don't have we lose that we don't have that we, we we don't have to get up we wake up at 12 o'clock in the afternoon we can wake up whatever right but like you said let's get regimented let's wake yeah. up let's continue to wake up and start our day you know, don't fall into that, that backspin where, oh, I don't have to work, so I'm going to sleep till 9, 10 o'clock. Let's get up. Mm-hmm. And instead of maybe, you know, we'll get up, eat breakfast, and instead of maybe going to work, let's drive to the gym. Spend, yeah. a, spend, spend an hour on a treadmill. You know, just to get our bodies going and, and, and to keep that um, momentum of our work bodies going. Yeah, I remember sleeping uh, like 12 hours. I mean, for for me, I was still in like fight or flight. Yes. And so I had all this uh, cortisol and adrenaline, and and it took a long time uh, for my body to kind of simmer down um, from all of that. But I I was reading, um, I've read a couple of articles lately about retirement and really – setting the stage for, I'll call it successful retirement, it starts, believe it or not, when we start the job. And it's something we don't think about. I remember my first day as an agent. You wanted to retire already? (laughs) No, but that was our first training that we had to register for. Retirement? Retirement. And I I remember we checked ourselves in. We got our IDs and everything. And my supervisor, I'll never forget, hey, Sam, did you register for, for your retirement seminar? And I'm like, uh, what? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't quite get it, but it was the best thing that we did because it helped us uh, as agents, you know, if you could put away the, the amount of money. But, um, you know, that's great right. because as law enforcement and, and firefighting um, and really any first responder career goes, we are in careers because of a, a lot less. Like we retired an earlier age well, compared some, to most. Some, some, in, depending on what yeah. state you're in. Well, it's true, but the retirement age for law enforcement is generally younger. Yes. Now that doesn't mean we stop because normally what people do 
we got to keep going. So we find ourselves working in uh, another department or or the uh, same or the same, same field, kind of th- yep. same kind of field. Yep. Um, which is it, not good. Which well, is not good. Well, we open up a bar, right? As cops. Well, there you go. <laughs> it 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 feeds our it feeds our need to serve. Um, I I know that uh, for me, I had a huge identity crisis when I left the Secret Service. Something that I worked so hard for me. I mean, nobody could have ever predicted nine eleven. Um, it changed my entire world. Um, and after I left and I went through treatment and, and got help and everything, I realized, and my, uh, I don't know, my soul voice, my, my voice in my head or whatever, it, it was like, Sam, you've got a heart for service. What do you know how to do best? Right, <laughs> exactly, right. exactly what I was doing. And so I sought out a position uh, at the local level, the local uh, police department, and I got right back into it. And what it gave me was a, a schedule again. It gave me my purpose back. Um, and, you know, there, there's something about that badge and that gun. Um, it's not an ego thing, but when you, you don't have it anymore, it's just like, oh, well, I feel a little a little naked. Naked, naked. Yeah. exactly. And, 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 and we didn't wear uniforms, so right, I, I've never been a uniform member of a of a department but it is still you got your creds you got right your, but your still you work for those and and this is this is where you know we differ from the normal society where when we talk about life after the job when we get stripped of those those things you know we're we went through six months of training and in any first responder job you're going you go through a year of background checks right so and then you go to six months of the academy at bare minimum, mm-hmm. okay, and all that other training. So when you finally become a first responder, law enforcement, firefighter, paramedic, whatever it is, you know, all that training you put into it, the job means something more than just a job. Oh, yeah. yeah right. I, yeah, it, you, I, you, I, you know? I talk about it when we do our right. workshop. The job know? becomes more than a job. It becomes us. And, you know, not everybody can do it. We're all cut from that same cloth of God, whatever it is, we're, we're, you know, we have that in us. Um, it's in our blood and we have an issue on letting that go, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. be it retirement, forced retirement, whatever it is, we do have an issue, um, letting that go. So when our retirement happens and they say, well, give me your badge, give me, your, and now you got to talk to your family, <laughs> you know, God forbid God we forbid, should do that, you know, because now they don't understand yeah. all this stuff that's been bottling up for 20 years inside you that you, you cut with your coworkers that understood your sixth sense of humor that we all have for deflection of our PTSI, right? We have to bring to our family and it's like, oh, I can't right. talk to you about this. So can, can we take a deep dive? Because yeah. I think it's important for folks to understand why it seems that most of us are like that. Uh, and so uh, we've got, they call it a first responders timeline. Now, I'm not taking credit for this. It, this is a part of the research um, that I was doing for the show and beyond. And it, it's called the first responders timeline. And in the beginning, uh, we've got this probationary period. You know, we go through the academy, however long it's, you know, six, six months plus. And we've got this exhilaration and stress and but it's positive stress that you stress 
yeah. uh, E-U-S-T-R-E-S-S, that that's the positive stress because we've won a long, uh, long battle, sought out position, and now we got to prove ourselves. Uh, not only to our supervisors, but, you know, if you're in an FTO position, you know, you're, you're riding with an FTO, you have to prove it to him or her. So everything is being evaluated. Right. So um, that's a little bit. So you're constantly you know, under the microscope. Constantly. And so at that time, our families are really getting their first taste of the job taking priority over them because we are we are in a probationary period which in some departments I lasts a year or more um, but because everything's evaluated we want to do everything we can to look good to be like oh I'm all about the job so our family starts to get that right there and that's when becoming a first responder fast uh, becomes our identity and we're learning to control our emotions which uh, is a benefit to us because when we roll up on, on a scene, we can't be all emotional about it. <laughs> but yeah, well, what happens, it also becomes a detriment because that's when we learn from watching to suppress what right. we need to suppress to get through the job. So that, that's in the very beginning. And then we have what's called the honeymoon phase. And that's the first five years after probation. We're not cynical yet. We're still in uh, better overall health. Still, um, health is high on our priority list. We may be going to the gym or working out after shift. We're super motivated <coughs> to succeed. And enthusiasm for the job takes priority over everything. And so we've learned to suppress our emotion and hide the stress of the job. So that's right. post um, you know, first five, five years, years after after probation, we start to see things. This researcher says, you know, in, in black or white, you either, uh, you know, are driving the speed limit or you're not. So you either broke the law or you're not. So very concrete. And that's when we start uh, that dark sense of humor that, that starts to come forward. Right. Which nobody can nobody can understand that we, you know, they, they turn around and say, you know, how can you be so callous? How can you be? so cynical or and it's our deflection of our our we use our humor we use those uh ac antidotes i guess you would call them well, I, I don't know what you're trying uh, to say yeah Sorry. Well, i was you know when we when we use that sixth sense of humor and it's because it, it oh it's total it, deflection it, it's deflection yeah. and it's to shield us from the pain yeah you know, nobody else gets that except the first responder yeah we and and let's face it nobody else is exposed to what we're exposed to I mean, right. we're, we're seeing the, the deep, dark, you know, bad stuff about humanity. And right. it's more the bad stuff than the good stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are good things that we've all been exposed to uh, on the job. But, you know, I, uh, the, the, the darker side of the job far outweighs in terms of, you know, for me, the mental memories right. and stuff then than certainly the positive and the, the thing that we need to learn it because it's learn new training is to focus on the positive to take some self-care to realize that okay you don't have your shield and your your gun anymore but you can be positive role model you can now be there for your family there may be you know some patching up to do whatever that looks like um but for this show and what we're doing um, moving, moving towards awareness of, hey, since this is what happens over the course of our careers, 
okay, now I know better. Right. Right. But, right. But remember we talked about with PTSI when we said, you know, uh, younger officers should know this at the applicant investigation. Oh, yeah. before, right. We have to teach people now that are coming on a job that you are not the job. Correct. You, you know, and, and Jeff said it at the workshop the other day is, you know, that's we become that shield. We become the uniform. We become that first responder, that hero, that that Superman persona. And we, and, you know, we we because we live it to make a difference, to to provide service for our community. And once we that's taken away from us, we we ha don't know what else to do. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I brought some books with me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, just like in law enforcement, it, it's a, I don't, I don't know, can people see this? Is it going to be backwards? It's called separating from service. Now, this is okay. written um, about about veterans oh, yeah, transitioning. But I'll tell you what, every single thing I read in this book, I'm like, oh, check. <laughs> okay, so that is uh, that's a great book that that explains this um, transition process. And you know, there there is. I want to continue on with the the timeline because I think it's important that. You know, okay, so we've made it through our five years, right? right? So we're starting to see the changes, and we've got the buy-in um, between five and ten years. I was really surprised at this. Um, it's they called it a time. It's called the early middle years. They call it a time of settling down. So there's less change in work duties. You've kind of found your mojo in the job. Maybe you're you're um, you know part of an elite team or something like that. Right, and but at the same time, that let that kind of slowing down, settling, like at retirement, right. settling, we have this period of disenchantment. The novelty of the job has worn off, and yeah. because because now you know, I, I'd love for people to call in for first responders to call in to to kind of uh, you know help help me out and help more people understand. But they talked about more attention to be uh, to boring and frustrating aspects of the job, like paperwork, uh, getting into politics. You know, right. with the well, in New York, they call that a hair bag. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> in New York, right. they call that a hair bag. You know, he's just he's the old time. You know, ten years, ten twelve years, you're considered the old timer. But but it's also, you know, you may have been, you're promoted through the ranks. and Hopefully. What, what comes, Hopefully. Yeah, what comes Hopefully. with that? More the more paperwork, the more, paperwork. right. So, um, and we realize that we have little control over our career. <laughs> over yeah. the career path. Yes. Yeah, we yeah, have yeah. very yeah, little yeah. control. Yeah. And, um, you know, at that point, we are way more invested in work and less at home. And the critical time between five and 10 years, folks, there's no lie. This is, comes from the research. Uh, this is where we start to see um, divorce. Uh, I know the, the three guys, sorry guys, I'm going to talk about you, that I worked with in the smaller department. All three of them were divorced, one cool. of them twice. Um, you know, our social circles that we had no longer include friends who are not on the job. We right. are complete... Yep. It has, it, uh, it, yeah. It, 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 it encompasses you, man. It just swallows you up whole. Yep. You know? And we allow it. We allow that to happen. Because hair bags? Hair bags. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm going to remember that. Um, 
But we al we allow the job. We do allow the job to swallow us whole, and we become consumed with it because it becomes an addiction, just like anything else. The job does become addiction. I would have done the job for free. That's how. That's how much I fell in love with the job. So so let's talk about you, John. <laughs> no 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 no. Let's, yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> so I mean, you have unique experiences because you're not only an NYPD detective, but you also worked for, uh, was it volunteer? Yeah, it, was a for it was a volunteer fire, fire department. Fire department. Yeah. Hazmat. Right. So you had special, you know, specialized training in that. I mean, what, what drove you, what was your driving force to get into the field? You know, I always wanted to be a cop since I was little, but in, in Long Island, in the towns, um, we had fire departments. We, Long Island, the whole, all of Long Island is all volunteer fire departments, no paid, right? So, you know, at, at 14, that's where you hung around. You hung around and, you know, because you could become a junior firefighter. So you ended up hanging around there. You become a junior firefighter. Now you're being mentored by all these guys, these firefighters throughout the town, right? And all these firefighters, these volunteer firefighters and that you're hanging around with are now taking all civil service tests for firefighter, and police officer to go into the city. So, you know, you just follow that path. And, you know, if I would have made a left turn, I would have been a firefighter. Made a right turn, I would be a cop. You know, it depends. But, no, I wanted to be a cop. And um, so I took the test, and I ended up getting on. And it was because of the mentoring that I got from those guys at such a young age. And you just, w once again, 14 years old, I was involved in it, so I stayed with it. So and at it, any it time, became a part of me. Yeah, it just became so, a, a full part of me. Exactly. So at any time, I mean, mentors are the most awesome things you can have. Did, or the worst. Did, <laughs> uh, oh, did, yes, okay. Um, fair enough. At any time, did they talk about no. like the, the realities of no, the job uh, with you? No, I, I worked with guys that, um, especially back then, this was 1985 when I first started. You know, we're talking about salty farming, you know, you're, you're going into that fire with a Scott pack? Get, no, no. If you didn't come out of that fire, snot slinging, <laughs> eyes, you know, swollen, you know. They, you, they didn't even, you know, we still had the rubber boots. Um, so it was all about being that salty, salty, gruff type of person. And when I got on the job, it was the same thing. It was, um, you know, there was no PTSI. It was, it was, like, it, it, it was yeah. like what we would talk about. Well, no, you did critical incident if you had a critical incident. If you had a, a multi, uh, if you had like four or more uh, people that shot at the scene, they'd come up to you and say, hey, do you need the crisis team? And they would say it in front of everybody. And it's like, no, I don't need a crisis team. I'm a big boy. I, I'll pull my balls up and, you know, I'm going to go out <laughs> for a drink with the guys. Right. And that's how it was. And, you, and that was the culture back then. You know, the culture now has to start changing. Right, exactly, and that's uh, that's really. Um, I did a workshop on on resilience earlier in the year, and we had a, a lot of senior um, officers, and really appealed to them to say, you know, it's it's now like it's an opportunity, not not a responsibility, but an opportunity. You know that retirement's right around the corner. You can make a huge difference in the lives of the folks coming on by just right. telling it. Like it is. And Jeff, that's what Jeff does. Right. I mean, he gets calls at, you know, zero dark 30 talking and, and the, the guys are like, well, how do you know? And they're, he's like, oh, I, I lived it. I lived you know? it, right. Exactly. And um, I think the more 
uh, that we change the um, the culture mm-hmm. of uh, first responder work, and we have more people speaking up and talking. And it doesn't have to be like group. I'm not talking kumbaya right, stuff, right, right, right. but just to let hey. It, I mean, if that's your thing, if you, you want know, to sit around yeah. naked holding hands, <laughs> you know. Not naked. <laughs> Just, Is it that group? No. Oh, then I was in the wrong group. You were in the wrong group, my friend. Oh, my gosh. That's a whole nother show, folks. Uh, yeah, the Boy Scouts really <laughs> scarred me. Oh, my gosh. Sorry. <laughs> Told you, sick sense of humor. It's just oh a dark gosh. sense of humor. Um, but but really, the the ability to have folks that have you know that been there done that that can extend a hand to say i'm here i'm still on the job you have any problems whatsoever do not be do not hesitate to pick up that phone do not hesitate to uh, knock on my door my office door um yeah it it makes a whole world of difference uh i had that happen um in, in the smaller department um i i left law enforcement as a lieutenant, so oversaw kind of, you know, a lot of the managerial paperwork, la, 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 that went with it. But our door was always open, even though we had a doorbell on it. <laughs> so if you walk, ding dong, yes, hello. Uh, you had a doorbell on your precinct door? We we did, only because we were in a back office, oh, and okay. the way that the desks were configured, like my back was to the door, so not the most comfortable. So I would want to know if somebody, you know, right, short, short right. of putting a mirror <laughs> <laughs> a big rear view mirror. But, um, I, you know, when I first was hired and came on, you know, the a- average age of the officers I was supervising were, you know, mid to late 20s. And at our first meeting, I told them my whole story. And I told them flat out, if there is any issue that you are having, anything, my door is open. Right. And we had a lot of combat veterans from the first Gulf War. And, you know, one, one evening my, my phone rings and it's late. And my husband's like, who the heck is calling? Oh, it's Sam's work phone. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm in that office. And it was a sergeant that called explaining what was going on with the officer. And I said, okay, I'll be right there. The minute I laid eyes on this officer, I knew exactly what he was going through because I've been there. Right. And we just walked through it. And he ended up making the decision that uh, for him, the mental stress was a little too much and that he still stayed in the county, just uh, transferred to another department right. uh, that was non-first uh, responder related. So super successful. Um, yeah. I mean, he, okay. went, he went on to do really what, uh, make an impact in a very special way in, in some housing and, and development okay. stuff. Okay. Um, Cause it's not, it's not for everybody. It's you know, First responder yeah. field is not for everybody. No. And, and, and you know, these are guys that they had seen action. They had been in the first Gulf war oh. and to, to, to have stuff come back. Uh, we all know, we talk about it. You could be fine. And then the next second it's like, what the right. heck? Triggers. Uh, yeah. Where did this come from? You know, when you bring that up, we, I, we just had a, on the 99% radio show, we just had a good talk with uh, Senator Bob Hall yeah. um, and uh, Rietta uh, Bauer regarding veterans turning coming back mm-hmm. and with the PTSI, which they were very on board with PTSI. They're going to the next uh, session and they're bringing up PTSI awesome. to change it from PTSD. Um, they, they both love that. But they said, you know, we're not taking care. You know, we don't, we don't transition correctly 
our troops. We don't transition them back to our their families the right way. And that's why we have to, when we say change the culture, we have to change it all around where we're giving these guys the tools, the help they need, their family, we have to give the tools, the help they need to make that transition into retirement, coming back from deployment, no matter what it is. We can't just say, 20 years, here's a freaking gold watch, go back to your family. Your family doesn't know you after 20 years. You're a different person. You know, it's different than being, you know, I'm not, these are just things that are coming to my head, so please don't take any offense by any occupational uh, misjudgments, but it, it's different than being an accountant, a plumber, you know, or, uh, you know, somebody who runs a small business. You know, when you walk out the house every day, there's a 95, 98% chance if you don't have a medical issue, you're coming home, right? Cops, firemen, paramedics, they walk out the door every single day not knowing if they're going to come home at night, right? So their family, the worst part of that is the family has to deal with that. The family doesn't know how to react that, you know, every time a car passes, a cop pulls up in front of the house, is my loved one dead? Right. Right. So that is a stressor that goes untapped because we don't know, because we don't feel it. We, we try to put it out of our mind, but it's still, it's still in there. So every time, you know, our husband or our wife leaves, are we going to get that knock on the door? Just like a military. Are they going out on deployment. Is there somebody going to be knocking on the door? Every time the phone rings, you know, you may not feel that it's a trigger, but it is. It's, oh, it's a stressor that will eat you up. It absolutely is. It's, and, and, and like you said, it will eat us up, but it will also, eat I think, for the family up. up. And I, I know that my family worried. P part of the Secret Service, um, the job that most people don't know about because they see all the, like, you know, we're with the president and everything right, right, like right, that, right. is that w we're assigned to an investigative squad if we're outside of Washington, D.C. So I was, and we're securing search warrants and kicking yeah. indoors and yep. so we are serving warrants and um i don't know on the rating scale of police work that is uh right up there now the thing that obviously we have going for us on our side is the preparation the planning we've executed search warrants in training yeah but you if know. you see if but it's where it happens. It's what is on the other side of the door, you know, and that, that's where a lot of the investigation is a person, a seasoned criminal or, you know, in Secret Service, we didn't do, you know, it wasn't like we were doing drug busts and stuff like that. It was, is uh, quote unquote, you know, the white, white collar, collar crimes. But still, but still, um, white collar crimes. A lot of it feeds carry into guns. Oh, carry guns. Carry guns. Of yeah. course, they well, carry we found guns. guns and drugs yeah. in every scene. You yeah. know, so, yeah. you know, don't, any, any bit of law enforcement, I don't care if you're a postal inspector going out doing mm -hmm. you know postal crimes um a fire marshal investigating an arson if you're investigating any type of crime i don't care what it is all right there's a chance you are going to get hurt there's a chance mm -hmm. you are going to get killed because that person you are investigating does not want to go to jail does not want to get caught and they will do any means impossible to stop you from catching them and if it's taking your life and they're going to go free that's what they're going to do absolutely so yeah, you know yeah. Um, now, how do you stop once you retire? Mm -hmm. How do you stop that? How do you get all this that we talked about, right? How do you just flush it out of your body? 
Well, you don't, you don't just flush it out of your body. I mean, that's 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 what that's, that's why we die in five on years. This. Right. So so the stress that we are not uh, that isn't talked about that we're not educated about. We now it's sitting on us. Literally, it feels like it's sitting on us. Right. And so that's where you talked about the plaque building up in the arteries and stuff. So if you're if you're sleep, oh, I'll call it oversleeping because your body needs to rest. You're waking up tired. It's a it's a cycle that I see and a lot of people see with folks that are not in law enforcement. What right. happens when you're tired? Do you make good choices or bad choices? Not so. Uh, not, probably probably not, not good choices. Right. So yeah. and, and that's with everything. You, you make the you make the Food. easiest choice. Right. So what are you gonna do? Grab a bag of chips or are you gonna go make something? Oh, right. Right. So it has this cascade effect, and and that's why if you understand you know, the, the timeline and when you're impacted on the job with these things, you can say, oh my gosh, I recognize that I'm getting into that cynical part or I'm recognizing that I'm not doing activities that are beneficial for me right. that I was doing two years ago, three years ago. I mean, yeah, we all want to kick back and relax on retirement and let the statistics scare you into action. Right. That's all you know, I'm saying. Right. I mean, right now it's we're like, looking bang. at it. You, you live 12 years less than the right. normal person, you know. Um, that sucks. I don't want to live 12 years less than the. the you know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bring up 12 right now. Speaking about 12. 12. 12 Different who, we're talking who about just person. Who just retired. Mm -hmm. Okay. He retired from Rowlett. Now, he's talking about 40 years police work. All, you know, all done. He's just finally retired. And yesterday was his first full day home. And he, he texts me, he goes, man, I feel strange. He goes, because one, he already got his position filled. Oh, wow. You know, they already got his position. But he knew that. He yeah, knew it. Yeah. But it, it kind of was it's like, wow. You know, <laughs> holy crap. They're, right. you know, and he has forgotten. He's just, another, he's just another retirement. He's out of the place. It's a and picture I, on a wall. You know, I remember, Sorry, 12. Right. But what I remember when I retired, I walked out. I got that phone call. And it was like, oh, you're retired. I'm like. Really? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, so I don't have to go back to work? And they're like, no. I'm like, okay. And then it was like lost, isolation, mm -hmm. camaraderie gone. You know, the, 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 the brothers and the sisters that I, I worked with on a daily basis are gone, you know? And unless you stay in, in, in contact with fraternity organizations within the police department or the fire department or, or EMS, if you, if you don't, if you don't stay with that you lose all that and then you start losing yourself yeah um i read today there's a, a police officer that um writes a, a blog and they specifically said that you know developing outside interests long before retirement is absolutely important and he goes on to explain that we as officers often believe we must dedicate our entire lives, entire lives to the job when in fact practicing self-care and cultivating outside interests can not only make us better at our jobs, but upon retirement, we have a place to continue the things that we love, right. to be part of people's lives that didn't wear the badge. Because we don't know how to make friends, right? 
No. <laughs> we really we really don't know how to it make is, friends. It is kind of awkward. I mean, I'll even say go along. It's kind of like the dating scene. <laughs> I don't know. It's I'm very intimidating <laughs> for, you know. My wife uh, don't let me date. <laughs> well, well, I mean, when you're, when you're on the job, you know, when I would come from training or wherever and, you know, I'm federal, so I got my gun. And, right. And... It's intimidating like, to a guy. It's very intimidating, intimidating to a you know, guy. Yeah. You know, I found a good one so that wasn't intimidated because he's from Brooklyn. Right, right. <laughs> but I see. Once, once again, you, as a cop, you don't know how to make friends because all your friends are cops. Right. So that, that's the whole cops. point right. is that the, these outside interests, yeah. whether it be, you know, staying at, working out at the gym that you had been working out at and you've got that whole crew <coughs> or whether, you know, fishing, you've got that whole crew, what, whatever it is, right. if you keep. Which you go fishing with cops. You work out with cops. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, you had you had this before you got on the job and. I understand it, it was it was awkward to try and introduce, you know, to those not on the job because they felt excluded from the conversation. Because right. here we are, we're talking about this and then they're like, what the heck are you right. talking about? So I realized... Or they're disgusted by it. Yes, that I had to... There was time for that talk and then I had to separate and have the friends thing. And, and there was a lot of, uh, I'll call, mending of fences and uh, mending of relationships after uh, reaching back out to say, Hey, you know, I wasn't the, the greatest friend and right. uh, this is what happened. Uh, no, not an excuse. No, just but do you think is, and you know, so coming from a woman's from, point of view, yeah. do you think women have it because they're more of a communicator? Women are naturally more communicators than men, right? Yeah, but see, this these studies include women too. So well, this yeah, timeline well, well, and everything that we go through. I'm just uh, I'm just trying to yeah. figure out like um, meeting people mm -hmm. after the job. Is it easier for uh, a woman officer or a male officer? You know, because males shut down a lot more. Women are more prone to be more open and more, I guess, giving. You know, they'll they'll reach out more. They'll reach out a little bit more than a man would. It, it, um, is, am I saying it right or am, no? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's all in what you want to give. I, I mean, for me, I was so lost that there there wasn't anything that I could talk to. I felt right, about. Well, that, I didn't I didn't want to reach out. Um, after I left the the job, uh, you know, law enforcement completely. Um, it, oh, Steve says women are the best communicators. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 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 thing that that we did is we moved to Texas. Okay, right. so I had an entire social circle circle waiting for me. Something that I had established while still on the job that was completely outside of law enforcement. You had people here in Texas. That, mm -hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Now, of course, they wanted to. All of them wanted to hear about. <laughs> you know, they want to hear the stories, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to share the cool ones and only the ones that I can actually share. Right. And right, right. Uh, and you know, so that was. There were times where it was fun. And I found, I still found it, it was really me kind of um, keeping people at arm's length only because that trust, you know, we, right. we build it into, oh my God, right, you know, right, we right, don't, right. we don't trust easy. Right. And so that was the biggest thing that I needed to learn to bring down kind of my walls, realize that these people wanted to know me, not Sam 
yes, they wanted Sam, the Secret Service agent. They wanted the stories, but they really right. wanted to know me. Right, and until right. I until I understood that, um, how did you finally was, understand that? Oh, they it 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 evolved. Our friendships evolved to where we stopped talking about Secret Service stuff. We t stopped talking about executive protection stuff. Right, 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 right. And we talked about life stuff. What is that um, like? Man, that sounds so cool. <laughs> I mean, we talk about doll, our dogs. We talk about the different things that interest us, travel, um, you know, nutrition, uh, every, everyday stuff. We talk about how our kids are driving us crazy, uh, right. you know, and that's, that's a, it's a really cool outlet. And, and I would say that, um, you know, I, I think for guys, it's, it's the same it's the same. They just have to, they just don't have to, but it's a, it's a realization that now you have the freedom to establish and be you again. Yeah, but as a, not as a, as a guy. the cop. Right, but you. as a guy. Mm -hmm. Okay. See, and once again, we brought this up in a workshop and I said this to Jeff. Okay. You just said it. Not the cop, right? Right. Not the cop. All your fr all your guy friends. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, pe female friends may not go. Hey, this is Sam, retired Secret Service. This is <laughs> Sam, Secret Service woman. Yeah. You know, they don't say that. They don't. You know, yeah. you don't hear Secret Agent Man <laughs> in your head when you know. They, no they, Inspector they, Gadget. They, no, no, they don't. They don't do that. <laughs> but every guy I know. Hey, here's John. He was a cop. Hey, here's John, the cop. Here's John. He was a cop. Mm -hmm. You know, so it becomes part of your identity. Well, how did you find the, uh, the 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 motorcycle, the law enforcement motorcycle club? Once again, all cops. <laughs> yes, but their wives aren't. I mean, you guys have a really close knit family, with uh, with Third Watch. Yes, we do, yeah. and one, and and thank God. And I don't think I'll ever be able to go into uh, a social society without having um, some sort of law enforcement. Mm -hmm around me or veterans around me or first responders around me because you know that's that's yeah. you know it feels weird it but you feels weird but it. it's it's basically all i know i mean i got into the uh the comedy community which is great um and it, it's it's weird because you bring this up i don't fit in i don't fit into that comedy community unless i'm with veterans or first responders because i i no one understands not a lot of the comics understand what what it's like except if you're a vet, if you're a veteran and you're you went into comedy yeah they understand but if you're just a comic you have that different sense of humor and they they just don't get it you know so it's it's okay. it's hard i i tried that's why yeah. that's why i basically only do veteran and law enforcement shows i guess maybe if you're forced to pay the bills <laughs> by meeting people and being out there it's a you know it's a little bit different, and, and I'm a total introvert by nature. Um, but when I have to be out there, I'm I'm out there. It's because the folks that I talk to, just like when we do our workshop, the people that we talk to, we owe it to them uh, to be our best. And why don't we tell people? We keep saying workshop, right? What we're talking about. Yeah. But you you know, once again, eighty five percent of your day, I would probably figure, you're talking about something that has to deal with law enforcement or or first responders probably 
Yeah, it's a little bit of a mix because, you know, getting into and really researching stress at its core, not right. just stress from post-traumatic stress and talking to the different business groups about it because so everybody even, so even when you're talking stress. so even when you're talking to business groups and even if, when you're talking yeah they've read my bio yeah yeah, yeah, yeah they're yeah, like you're, this you're is still, so cool you're still th- right yeah. you're still talking about it and i you know i i could go on and on with this conversation i think we're gonna we are gonna promote this show a little bit more and we're gonna talk about this because i think this will save more lives but we only got about three minutes of time and i know there was are you serious we've that, gone through hell yeah i didn't even get through the timeline dang on it okay we're, look, we're gonna have to bring it up okay. but i know there was that look, the uh chl you wanted to bring up the ltc this the is LTC. A, yeah this is a book but everybody out there uh <laughs> first responders and family members need to read this book right here What's and the name of it? It's Just called Emotional Survival for Law Enforcement, a guide for officers and their families. Yep. And then, um, so and another one is called Counseling Cops. And this is about what clinicians need to know about us <laughs> and how to uh, approach and work with us. But it really is an eye-opening, um, eye-opening book. And again, you'll be able to along your career, uh, do the check marks. So yeah, um, let's transition. I know it's kind of a weird transition. Um, license to carry the right. state of Texas just gets more awesome and awesome as it comes to, uh, passing, uh, regulations as it relates to your Texas license to carry. And I'm talking Texas specific here, not, uh, th- there's no such thing as a, like a universal permit. It's only Texas that I'm talking about. And so if you're a corrections officer or active member of uh, a peace officer anywhere, you no longer have to do the shooting proficiency for your uh, license. Does it matter so how many t- how many how long you've been out of the job? Say say you retired ten years ago and so I'm talking active. So oh, if, oh, active, if you active. retired, if you've just retired and you've got some. Um, uh, uh, some specialized licensing or training that went with it. The best thing to do is contact dps.texas.gov. But uh, I am your one-stop shop for the license to carry. I took the best and most fun part of law enforcement, put it into a business. It is thetexasltconline.com. That's right. I did say online because <laughs> you no longer have to sit in a classroom because um, if Peace spe- officers have to sit. I mean, Listen, I did too. I, I, I spent class almost ten, and, yeah. I spent almost ten hours in my class, and before and then it was another two hours of shooting. Yeah, it's crazy. So it was a long day. It was mm-hmm. a long day. Yeah. So you no longer have to do that. Thank you, Texas. Jump on to thetexasltconline.com. You you purchase the course online, just like you purchase anything online. You start the course and finish it whenever you want. No timers, no nothing. I got you set up with all the state paperwork and instructors to do the shooting if you have to do the, the proficiency. Now, there's one thing. There's a lot of scammers out there. Yes, there are. Let me tell you what. There's specific language that is on uh, my website that comes from the Department of Public Safety from Texas. Okay. You should be reading the words Department, Texas Department of Public Safety somewhere in there that it's certified. That the course, if you're considering an online course, is Texas Department of Public Safety certified. And there's a government code uh, number that goes along with that statement. Folks, if you are not seeing that language, please do not be fooled by all those Groupons that are going around uh, that promise you a certificate that say universal carry permit, that doesn't exist, (laughs) okay? I'm talking about you want your Texas license to carry 
and you want to get it online, whatever online course you visit, whatever website, I hope it's mine, look for language that says Texas Department of Public Safety certified with the government codes um, on that. And then you know you're in the right place. And you'll see my bio, Secret Service, the whole thing. You, you can contact me. So, um, yeah, I've had I've served over 400 folks, and they're having Excellent. they're having fun with it, which is the best that's thing because be that's why thing. I created it. All yeah. right, we got about 30 seconds. I'm just going to put this poster up. This is uh, Back the Blue. It's a it's a Back the Blue event. It's at the Shannon Brewing Company, 818 North Main Street in Keller, Texas. That's going to be on March 7th from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. The Shannon Brewing Company annual Back to Blue event benefits the Peace Officers Angels Foundation. Come out and support the missions as we continue to assist the critically injured men and women of law enforcement. Great food, great cold beverages, relaxed atmosphere, plenty of parking. Come out and support a great cause. Blessings are the peacemakers. Back to Blue this week. Um at the Shannon Brewing Company in Keller, Texas. Uh, once again, Sam, we had a, you know, we, we need more time. We, we, we really, we really got to, um, uh, what was I going to say? We, we, we got to go to two hours somehow <laughs> because we blow through this time. So we have to, we have to go. And until next week, next week, uh, you're not going to be here, right? I want, yeah, it'll be you'll, a spring break. You'll be a spring break. Yeah. God bless you. Wear a bikini. And then, Not, uh, <laughs> no, we're going to East Texas, Hill Country, oh, with, with, the, with the boy. Well, and, my, and my mom. My mom's coming to visit. Yay, Mom. Excellent. Next week, we got McKenna Klein coming in. She's going to be sitting in for Sam. We're going to talk about sexual harassment. We're going to talk about how you can, a bartender, a bystander, how you, too, can stop the victimization of sexual assault and domestic violence. You are there. You can spot it. So next week, please uh, tune in from uh, 6 to 7, right here on fbrn.us. And in, if you could be anything in this world, please be kind. Takes his or her own life, leaving behind a family, friends, and fellow officers. This is our message to you.